again and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady loving queer and everything in that spectrum. Today I have a super special guest that I've actually been able to meet in person. It's amazing to be able to talk to them here on the podcast and I'm just going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Kayla McGee. Um, I'm non-binary, they, them. Um, I'm a web developer. I, uh, I don't know what else you want me to say about myself. Uh, well, we can talk about how I met you, which okay. we actually met each other at Pride. You're a part of TGI, TGI Femme Slash. I always want to say TGI Friday, which is weird because I do not like that restaurant at all. Um, but TGI Femme Slash. So tell me about how you got, well, actually tell people who are listening at home what a TGI Femme Slash is for those who don't know. So TGI Fem Slash is a uh, a small um, small queer convention that me and a couple of friends started. Um, and when I talk about small, I mean like you know, Clexicon is like a big con. It has several thousands of people. They have you know like celebrity interviews and you know all that kind of stuff. We're not that. Um, we uh we're we're much much smaller our cap is like 150 people we it's more uh community based like it's more centered on on your the experience in the fandom than it is the actual like actors of the tv show so um we get together and uh anyone who signs up um to come to tgi fem slash gets to vote on what panel topics we'll be talking about. We usually have, like, we have two different tracks of panels. Like, we have uh, our main fandom panels, so whatever TV shows, like, whatever TV shows are popular at the time, those get voted on on what we want to talk about. And the rest of them are, like, what we call the meta panels. So they're, like, about fandom in general, and we'll have general discussions about, like, representation and you know, um, the history of fan fiction is, uh, an example of one we've had and, um, power dynamics is one that we talked about one time. Um, just all kinds of stuff. Basically anyone, you've got an idea. If you want to talk about it, you, um, you can nominate it to be one of our panels and then people, everyone who, uh, is coming to the con actually gets to vote on what the topics of those, um, panels will be. Which is cool. It kind of personalizes the experience. It makes it like literally, literally anyone who comes can affect how that convention is formed. Like what we're going to be talking about and what that experience is going to be like is literally shaped by the people who show up. Um, and uh, the way that we do panels, um, when you think of convention panels, it's usually like people sitting on a you know, on a table or whatever, behind a table and then talking at an audience. What we do is um, we open it to the room. We've got moderators, but we set everyone in a circle. And then that way um, it encourages conversation between everyone who's participating. And if you want to be part of the conversation, you absolutely can be and are encouraged to do so. But you also don't have to be if you don't want to be. Um, so it's just kind of, um, because it's smaller, we have the ability to kind of have that interaction, which is not possible on a larger scale convention, which is really cool. Yeah. Cause you are literally giving everyone 
a place to have a voice. You're giving everyone a place to a platform basically to speak out and be a part of the community and definitely have that more intimate feeling. Absolutely. Having a voice is really, really important. Um, and we have, especially like we have, uh, we have like meetups for, um, specific, like we've got like identity meetups for like, we've got a trans and NB meetup and we've got like those kinds of talks and, I don't know. We we just really want to foster connections between people and the fandom. I think it's really important to um, realize, you know, you can scroll Tumblr or Twitter or wherever you interact with fandom, and uh, there's like people behind the screen name, and um, and that's important to like actually get to see and meet them and talk to them as real person, and it, it brings a a more Especially if you're, you know, from an isolated part of the country where there isn't like a big queer uh, presence in your city or town or whatever. Like I'm, you know, we're from Texas, so this is a red state. It was very, very important to me personally um, just to like go and meet these people in person. Like, oh, I'm not alone. Like there's, there's... (laughs) Like, I can be friends with these queer people online, and I get to see them in person, and now we've forged these friendships and relationships and um, stuff because we get to, like, hang out over a weekend at our convention, so. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's that's the beauty of the internet and fandom in general, but you guys are, like, literally bringing yourself in to make those real um it was great to actually meet you in person, especially considering you're probably the only person I've met outside of Clexicon that I've already been following, or at least I was following TGI Fenslash. And how did how did that get started? Do you know the history behind it? I do know the history behind it. So in order to talk about the history of TGI Fenslash, I first have to talk about um, Fabericon. I love stories. What happened originally was that um, my friend John, who's he's on uh, core staff with me at TGFM Slash, um, about six or seven years ago, said, "You know what? I really want to make connections with people online who enjoy the kind same kinds of things that I do, and I'm really invested in this fandom right now. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have a small meetup of like, you know." 30 to 40 people or whatever and uh in atlanta and we're gonna you know spend the weekend talking about the berry and so he kind of started that um and what what happened is uh the first one happened and then um i was like john you really need a website (laughs) (laughs) he's like you have a website but it's not mobile it's not mobile responsive i want to make your website mobile responsive and so i bugged him and bugged him until i was um part of the staff for Favericon and kind of we did that for a couple of years and then you know um as Glee ended we were like you know we really we want to keep having um we really like what we've built up here and the family that we've created the found family that we've created with our con folks um but Glee is ending and this fandom is kind of dying out and we need to expand into something that's not so uh I guess, focused on one fandom. And so we were like, you know, what if we made it a multi-fandom convention? And um, at the point, at that point, 
Plexicon did not exist yet. Um, so multi-fandom con, uh, FemSeshCon, as far as we know, did not exist yet. Like, there's been Xena cons, and there's been Swan Queen, and um, there was a Britannicon. Like, there's been very, like, isolated fandom, like, pockets of conventions, but there hadn't been one that had, like, hung a banner over all of them slash and said, yes, let's, let's come and talk about all of the things. Um, and so that was... That was uh, kind of how we came about uh, for the idea of TGIFM Slash. That's really interesting. You know, I never, sadly enough, this might be saying this is the wrong person, but I never, I never really watched Glee. Oh yeah. No. Well, you did, a... I, I, um, I, I say this, I say this with love as somebody who did watch Glee. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, an honest I... opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh i you know i enjoy glee for what it gave me and the fandom experience i had it was i mean it was honestly it was kind of a garbage show like i'm i'm not gonna lie i mean what else did we have then we have we have so much coming now but i think people forget that five you know lord forbid 10 years ago we hardly had anything so. so that's one of the kind of the interesting things about Glee is that, and I think people um, tend to forget about is that before Glee, there was not, there was not like a whole ton of queer representation on television, especially now we have every single, I think almost, almost every single show on the CW has either a queer main character or, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's definitely completely different landscape than it was, um, you know, 10 years ago in 2009 when Glee started. Uh, so, and it really, they really changed the ball game, I believe. I, I, I definitely agree with you. Cause I remember there was a time when I was like taking a break from college that there was like on TV, like before then, you didn't say anything like you maybe you saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you saw that little bit but like after that it was like, it was like Buffy and like Will and Grace and like I can't even think of anything else I mean do we count Will and Grace I mean I guess you should I guess you should the male the male representation also does matter but like something about Will and Grace felt very you know I have not watched that show in so long my opinion is invalid because I do not remember it well enough it's definitely it's definitely pretty dated. I mean, I I enjoyed it um, as it was airing, but yeah, like going back and watching it now, you're like, mm, that's a little cringy. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I feel whenever people talk about the L word and supposedly how good it was. And I was like, oh no no no, I remember oh, no. the L word. It was it did not date well when I saw it when I like was in college. It has definitely not dated well now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was it was pretty much all we had, and I I remember. In that time in college, it was like I went home to watch these TV shows that my stepmother like would watch religiously. It was like Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, and a third one that was probably Glee, now that I'm thinking about it. And yeah. all three of them had lesbian characters in it, or at least women that were dating other women in it. And I was, I was like, holy crap. Of course, I wasn't out yet at the time, so I was like freaking out. And I actually want to give crazy. a shout out to... Grey's Anatomy. Shonda Rhimes has done a lot for queer representation, and she deserves that credit. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're going to have to tell me who that is because I don't know people. (laughs) Shonda Rhimes uh, executive produces Grey's Anatomy and uh, How I Met... uh, No, not How I... How to Get Away with Murder and a couple of other shows. Ah, nice, nice. Um, I don't... I, I like to say I live under a rock, but you're also from Texas, so I feel like I have less of <laughs> less of an excuse now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you live a little bit further out in the country than I do. Yeah, and I don't I don't have like cable. We just like get anything we want to watch off Netflix or somewhere off the internet. So Yeah. We binge now. We binge so hard that I have to beg my wife to let us stop watching TV so I can sleep so I can work tomorrow. <laughs> I kind of feel that way with my roommate sometimes. Oh my gosh. Do you ever get to the point like, like you have to rely on Netflix to say, hey, are you guys still there for- for You're still watching. Are you still watching? So you can be like, you know what? We should stop and go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, we've we've definitely been binging some stuff lately. Oh my gosh. Um, What are you binging now? um, My roommates have gotten into Letterkenny. Um- and think that show is really funny. And it's funny sometimes. It's mostly really awkward. And it makes me, like, cringe. Is it like The Office? And, uh, no, it's nothing like The Office. Okay. People will hate me, but I don't understand The Office. I've, I don't know. Maybe I came in on the wrong episode, but I just did not find anything well, funny. The, no, I didn't either. And it's because the, the humor of The Office is from, like, giving you secondhand embarrassment. And that just really stresses me out. Oh, my gosh. Same. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Like, if there's some kind of forbearing that a character, like any kind of sitcom in the 90s, I swear I could not watch it very well because it's like, you know, that moment where they're about to do something really dumb. Like, you know it. And I just, I would literally have to stop the movie and like, go walk up, go walk around, go somewhere else because I, I could not stand the secondhand embarrassment for what was going to happen. Yeah, same. Uh, So I have no idea what those shows are. Um... (laughs) So I'm, I'm hoping it's, I hope you don't have to sit through it too much, I guess, if you, they're going to be binging it all the time and it's not really that I, funny. You know, I, they have it on while like we're having dinner or whatever and I'll watch an episode or so with them and then they'll continue watching and I'll go do my own thing. So, so it's not like a continuous series where you have to like watch what's going on. Actually, I, you really kind of do. I keep coming oh, no. in and out of it. <laughs> I'm like, what on earth is happening? And they're like, you know, I don't actually know how to explain to you what is happening right now. I love shows like that, except in this context. I'm not sure I would like it. Um, But speaking of shows in context, so with all of the new fandoms coming out, how are you guys, are you guys like, how has that impacted your group since you were so small starting with Glee and then you opened up to multi-fandom and now there's just so much more content out there well so the um the very first tgi fem slash that we held actually happened and this is really important for context of our convention and how like we've been impacted by what's been happening um in uh media um our very first convention took place literally two weeks before lexa died on the hundred wow yes (laughs) Um, so, uh, it was, it was very, the, the energy building up to the con was completely different from the first to the second because, um, 
the Klexa fandom was literally the funniest fandom I've ever been a part of. They were so funny um, and, and silly. And so they were very excited and we had all of this excitement building up. You know, we wanted to, one of our big, you know, fandoms that we had in slot for that year was obviously the hundred. We had a Klexa panel and uh, we were talking about all of that. We were really excited to see where, Cl- you know, Clark and Lex were going and how, <laughs> how, how incredible it was that we had this bisexual main character and then her lesbian love interest. And it's this fantasy like sci-fi thing. And this has literally never happened before on television or anywhere else. And we were just so like the energy in that room was like incredible. Like everyone was so happy and like you know things are really looking up for us and we're going in a positive direction and then like two weeks later she gets shot and killed on the tv show and um and the uh the the bottom kind of dropped out because also at that same time about 35 no it was 32 other queer women on tv also got killed in the same like six weeks like <laughs> uh, spanning like the six weeks following that it was like almost every queer woman character on television got murdered um and that's following six weeks it was a really bad time for queer women in the television and so um it was a really serious thing that we talked about as core staff like what are we gonna do you know i like wh- how are is anyone even gonna want to come to tgi fem slash and talk about you know um, queer women in media because everyone is so, you know, distraught and angry and there's not really any positive feelings, just not just a whole ton of them at the moment. And so we didn't, we didn't know, um, we didn't know if anyone was going to show up to our second con. We, we really, we were really worried about it. Um, but they did. <laughs> um, and, and we've been going, yeah, we've been going for, couple years I don't actually know how many years we've been doing this anymore I mean uh, when did when did Lexa I guess um it was it was March 2016 oh there you go it's been four years three years I don't know what is time yeah wow that and the the landscape has changed a lot even just since then um but thankfully, um, at least personally for me, like the way that I dealt with um, grieving the loss of Lexa, as um, m- many people did, was I actually fell into um, Supergirl was like my saving grace. It was um, it was the thing that I loved about it was that it it was kind of a breath of fresh air. It was very positive, like, you know, show who's core um message is about hope and where most tv shows at the time like you know the walking dead and the hundred are all like these post-apocalyptic like humans are terrible and they're fighting each other and yeah, i don't very, know it's very depressing yeah a lot of tv um is very very you know grim dark depressing kind of and so um Supergirl was was really what uh, what I fell into that kind of saved me from having to deal with all of that. Were you a Cat Graham fan? I am the biggest Cat Graham fan. <laughs> she is my favorite character on the show. Um, well, she's not on the show anymore. Right. Much my chagrin. Um, 
but no, I, I fell in love with her from the first moment. She's just incredibly snarky and wonderful. <laughs> I particularly loved her too. Like, I'm not even sure if I shipped her with anybody or just loved her for herself. So I love her. I mean, I don't really want to talk about shipping too much with, with like people get, I don't know. People, like, people get very get upset about ships and I guess I get it. And then at the same time, I'm just like, just the more the merrier. Come on, man. Yeah. I'm I'm a multi shipper. I I ship Cat with people, and I ship Kara with everyone. Um, I mean, she is like the human fight or alien fight version of a golden retriever. It's a bit hard, right? Right. Um, but uh, no, I just I so much enjoy Cat as a as a character, and um, I think the energy that Callista brought to the show was really special and um you can definitely i think they're getting into their they've kind of gotten back into their groove but definitely from like season one to season two like her loss was felt a lot i mean i kind of stopped watching the show when i heard she was gonna leave and then i was like i'll pick it back up later and then i heard other things about mora l and i was like i don't want to watch it for that guy you know what season two was was mostly garbage um i'm gonna say the lena luther parts were you know what saved season two um but season three was good and i haven't started season four yet but i heard it was also good i'm i'm ready to hear what you think about it because honestly i'm just watching like tv shows vicariously through other people because i do not have the time (laughs) i honestly i was watching that's the way i was watching supergirl for for a little bit because i watched like half of season two and then like i lost interest and so I was just watching it through tumblr and like all of my friends were blogging about it so it was kind of watching it vicariously through them um i actually really enjoyed supergirl a lot more i think because i i just binged season three like a month ago um so it's been out for you know season three has been out they're going into season five um starting in october so it's season three is a couple years ago now um honestly really enjoyed it watching it separate from fandom and i think that's really the way to do things if you can um right. just because like you're aware of all of this all of the discourse that happened but then you can watch the go the show and see what was causing all of the fuss and go okay well that was blown way out of proportion <laughs> yeah. you know and just kind of Enjoy it for yourself without getting caught up in all the discourse i, I tend to, yeah i tend to like watch shows like after the fandoms kind of moved on so I can like voice my opinions and not be confronted. I guess I just don't like confrontation, but it's, it's also just, you know, waiting for like, I don't, I don't like being a part of the fandom while it's happening, I guess is what you exactly what you were saying. I just reiterated it for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's got its benefits, but sometimes it can just be a little too dramatic for my tastes. Yeah. Some people take it like, I don't know. It's like, I see that about some people, like, they'll, they'll just be like, something will happen in the show, and they'll be like, this show's canceled! And then it's like, you know, they don't even wait for the story to play out to figure out what's happened. They don't wait till the end to reserve their opinion on it. And I right. think that's, that's kind of the scary part about making media of any kind these days, is that people will literally just be like, well, this one thing happened, so the rest of it sucks, without even seeing how it's finished or or realizing that they've already shot the whole thing that you know your outcry at season three is not going to change the season finale because they've already shot it right 
And yeah, and it, it really doesn't take into account a lot of the the snap judgments that we make online don't take into account the story arc and what will be happening later and how it gets resolved. Right. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and say that there haven't been just like trash story arcs that they are just trash from oh. beginning to end. But you know, I usually wait till the end of it to be like, or at least right before the end, be like, this is just gonna be trash. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. You get caught up in because there's so much momentum, I think, on online and things happening immediately. And so it gets, you know, one person, you know, or a couple of people have this reaction and you agree with them. And then, like, it snowballs and then you're, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's over the top. I mean, I like hearing people's opinions, like, some times let me let me rephrase that i like hearing people's like how they digest it and how that they've like picked apart what just happened i like seeing how people have perceived something i'm not sure if their opinions are something i want to hear all the time but i definitely like seeing how people think yeah yeah definitely i definitely enjoy like meta conversations um like uh, yeah, yeah, those are, are usually my favorites. Um, when people, it's it's like you follow those couple of blogs that are obviously people who are smarter than you and like more articulate and they have all of these fantastic like feedback and like really can, you know, dig into the symbolism or the meaning behind stuff that's happening. Those are the best kind of like fandom interactions, I feel like. Absolutely. I agree 100%. We were talking about TGI Finslash and we got stuck on fandom. But it's it's like it's, well, it's kind of the same really, thing. You can't really talk about one without the other, right? I mean it's it's a convention for fandom, for fan slash fandom, so yeah. I know one of the key things that really interest interested me when we were talking, uh, when we met in Dallas for Pride, um, is that we were talking about the t shirts. I've been following the TGI Fem Slash um Twitter page for gosh a long long time now it was really great to meet somebody who was actually a part of that and i do particularly love all of the t-shirts you guys make oh thank you that means so much to me um yeah i actually create um all of our t-shirts that's my favorite part i guess of being like the web developer slash merchandiser slash brand person <laughs> for tgi fem slash the t-shirts are my favorite part um Absolutely. Uh, That's what made me really excited because I'm like, ah, someone who makes things. I get really excited when talking to creators and contributors. And that sounds really strange to say that into a microphone. <laughs> we, um, we actually, it's, uh, it was, um, it started out as kind of like a small thing. We've, we've basically had our store on like Spreadshirt for a while because we didn't, well, we don't want to have like, um, a stock we don't really have room to have like a stock room of like bulk ordered t-shirts anywhere because like you know it would just be my apartment doesn't have room for that right. <laughs> um so what we needed a store where people could just order it and they would make the shirt per order and we wouldn't have to deal with any of the stock um and so that's what we were doing for a while um and then we started doing, uh, like, convention booths. So, like, we um, 
specifically, we started doing that uh, when Clexicon got started up. We um, went to Clexicon and we had a booth there and we're promoting our convention and then also had our t-shirts on display. And so that's when we started having to like go, okay, well, at least for when we're at conventions, we need to have like a physical like stock of t-shirts and stuff. And so we've kind of, we're kind of in a transition and how we um, deal with the technical side of all of that. But one of the really cool things about um, getting into the, like doing the booth promotions and stuff at conventions is that Nafisa Williams uh, has my Thunder Grace shirt and wore it on her Instagram account. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, a couple days ago, oh, I think maybe a couple weeks ago now, actually, um, made me extremely extremely happy to see that i mean have you returned to us are you still like floating up in the clouds no no i'm still a ghost (laughs) i'm definitely like on a different plane of existence i mean i that's amazing like and you know there's probably people a lot of people out there but like how popular has that shirt gotten since then Oh, uh, it's really sad because our, our store is actually kind of down right now because oh. of technical issues that we're having with Spreadshirt. Um, so I don't know. It probably would have sold a lot <laughs> or gotten some traction, but our store has been down for, for a couple of months. And, um, oh, we're looking, no. Yeah, we're looking at, at moving to a different platform. We just haven't decided which one yet. Let's go into your life a little bit because I do want to talk about like how you came to this place of like being with TGI Femslash with making a shirt that a well-known celebrity was going to wear like you live a fabulous life now you know (laughs) (laughs) my life is not that fabulous honestly I think everyone says that and I think it's it really depends on how you look at things I'm mm. I'm getting to that point of like, what, once upon a time, my wife told me that I like the sound of my own voice too much. And then she's like, you've gotten really, you sound like a counselor these days. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's been, it's, I've been shook ever since. Oh um, man. But, but yes. Uh, so let's talk about you a little bit. Has design or being in the creative field been something you always wanted to do? I, you know, from the time that I was, I don't know, probably, I think I remember my first thought of actually, you know, this is the career I want to pursue. I was probably in like first grade (laughs) and I decided that I wanted to be a Disney animator. Oh my gosh. And so I, uh, I actually have an animation degree. Um, and when I graduated, um, about 50, um, animation studios went bankrupt and, uh, out of, yeah, it was, it was like the year that, um, Life of Pi, that Rhythm and Hughes accepted an Oscar for the CGI in the Life of Pi. And as they were like accepting their offer, they were trying to bring like, light to the fact that all of this was happening like by the way our studio is going out of business and so are all of these other industry studios because you guys aren't paying us the way you're supposed to be and they got like the music like played them off the stage and uh yeah they don't exist anymore they literally got an oscar and then ceased to exist wow that's interesting back information that i had no idea about yeah 
So like all of these, you know, like big industry professionals, like animators were suddenly out of jobs. And as somebody who had just graduated college, I was like, okay, well, there's no way I'm going to get a job in this industry right now. Um, So I've actually been working through college as a web developer because sort of accidentally because somebody wanted a flash website and as an animator i was like well i know flash i knew nothing about web development i was just like i know flash i'll make you a flash website (laughs) and then uh and then i ended up working for this company for like three years during college doing their web stuff and by the time i graduated i had three years experience doing web development and the rest is history i mean with web development you I mean, that's pretty much job security because no one is never not going to need a website in this day and age. Well, you know what? I say that, but 20 years from now, who knows? Uh, no, I think we'll still need websites. Uh, try. Yeah, it's um, the the. It's kind of interesting, like it, it it's I've worked kind of on both sides of the web development spectrum from um, being in a, in a design house that spits out um, websites, you know, every couple of days for clients or whatever. And and like their, um, their whole purpose was to make websites, you know? Um, And then now I'm sort of on the, the corporate side where I'm not making websites so much as I am like maintaining them and updating them and, all of that other stuff. So it's, it's very, um, they're very, they're two very different jobs, even though they're the same title. <laughs> the vibe is very, very different. Absolutely. I would think so. But like, cause I hear a lot of from people talking about the difference between working in like a corporate environment to working in just like a, I don't want to call them an art house. Cause that seems like giving them too much credit, but you know, in a, I mean, I- design firm it was right. a design firm right so here's a fun question uh, since we don't want to go too far into what you do professionally because i mean your main love is for the fandom stuff right i have my corporate job so that i can actually do the work for tgi film slash like that's my like i have my you know i have the job that pays me so that i can do the job that doesn't pay me what um tgi film slash is actually run 100 percent by volunteers we don't make any money off of it um honestly we put a lot of our own money into it to make it run um insofar as even cutting the um the the cost of the tickets so that they're affordable because we know that one of the one of the struggles of the queer community is is that you know we're we're not an, as employed and sometimes we're not even you know like we're, we're very conscious of the fact that queer youth are you know one of the biggest like homeless like populations and so we want people to have access to us even though um i guess maybe even at our own expense so we um so we, we try to keep them as as accessible as possible for the community um and the way that we balance that out is actually um an auction that we do um, at the end of the convention where uh we have all of these like themed baskets uh that we put together that people um people can like uh bid on 
and there will be like, a, you know, like a Winona Earp basket or a Supercorp basket or, you know, whatever. We've got so many different ones um, that our staff puts together. And then the people who have money <laughs> to spend, like extra money to spend, can bid on these baskets. And that kind of helps us fund the rest of the convention, um, fills in the gaps that um, actual registration doesn't fill. Goodness, you guys are and just like also, our auction also funds our scholarship fund. We've got um we've got a scholarship fund to help people um if they just need help with registration or if they need help with the hotel or we can sometimes help with travel a little bit. We usually can't pay someone's full plane ticket, but um depending on circumstances, we definitely do have a uh, um staff dedicated just to scholarships. That's amazing. You guys are like really going out there and putting in the effort for the community. Thank you. Um, we, we certainly, we certainly try, I guess we just know personally how much the convention has done for us. And so we want that to be available to other people as well and to do whatever we can to make that available. Right. Right. And community obviously means a lot to you. So if you're, if you're willing, I'd like to talk to you about you know, your sense of community, like how, A, why is it important to you? And B, like, how did you get to where you are today? Well, I, um, I'm not like a big name fan. <laughs> so if you, if you know, my, my screen name is like Exacto Dreams or whatever, like most people don't know who I am. Maybe they'll see me in their like notifications or whatever, because I liked or blogged something, but I don't, I don't really create content for the fandom and, and never really have. You say as you make t-shirts now. I didn't used to. Okay. So we'll get to that in a okay, bit. Okay. Long time I was a lurker. I didn't like, I, I've never been a person to like send anonymous messages or like really interact with authors or even leave comments. I really should leave comments. Please leave comments on the fanfics that you read. Um, but uh, I was just so kind of a nervous, anxious person. So I, I just kind of viewed fandom and didn't interact with it. Um, and then um, John started Fabricon and he was like, I want to get together and talk about this and hopefully, you know, we can you know, I don't even remember what the original message is. He's got like a, he made a video and posted it on Tumblr. Um, and I remember seeing it and, uh, a couple of people that I've been following for years and years and years had decided to go. And I was like, you know what? I know, like I got like this gut feeling. I was like, if I don't go to this thing, if I let anxiety and fear keep me from doing this, I know I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And so I went even though I was super nervous to like go across the country to Atlanta and, you know, meet all these people that I had never met before and sit in a room with them and talk about, you know, Faberi or whatever. And, uh, it was honestly the best experience of my life. Um, it was the first time that I sat in a room with people and I really felt comfortable being myself. Um, I had never, I'd never felt that before as a queer person. I had never felt comfortable in my own skin, just like existing in a room with other people. And um, it was also so empowering because like I had, you know, things that I wanted to say and like meta commentary that I wanted to make. And like the people there actually 
wanted to hear it. And it was like the first time that I felt like people wanted to hear what I had to say and wanted to listen to the things that I had to say. And, um, honestly it, it changed my life not to put too fine a point on it. Um, but it really, really did. That's amazing. And like, I'm like, I have really good friendships with pretty much everyone that I've kept in contact with from that first convention. And, uh, wow. I don't know. We, we, we get together at Christmas sometimes. Like we're, we've, um, like found family is, is, is our, our core, like, I, I guess goal. Um, I don't have, uh, personally, I don't have a supportive family. So like I now have this supportive found family that, um, with my friends, my fandom friends. And so that's, that's, what's really important to me is, um, I want other people to have that. Not everybody has, um, gets the love and support from their family that they should. I know that I didn't and don't. And, uh, if I can provide that for someone else, that's really all I want to do in life. Honestly. I totally understand. Like I, I, Totally, totally, totally get that. Like, there are, are more sophisticated words than what I'm saying, but I, I really feel what you're saying. Um, this, the podcast that I've started was kind of off of the same branch. Like, I've, I've never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Like, even, right. even as a child, even before I knew I was queer, I just felt like I just didn't belong and I couldn't figure out what it was. I was the black sheep in almost every aspect. And as I got older, it just became more and more and more clear. Like I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I felt the distance growing between me and my family or me and my friends just growing more and more until I finally accepted it to myself in college because that was the safe place to do it. And even after that, it was like, okay, so now what do I do with this? And then it was just like the internet was the only haven you hadn't even then it's like oh there's somebody out there that agrees with me but you don't know that person right you don't know that person you haven't actually like made that connection with them right I mean you might have the lucky chance of meeting somebody that you can like send gifts to every once in a while and we'll like we'll be able to talk to it and be able to get you but I mean one person is fantastic I'm not belittling one person but to find out that there is a community out there that you are you were not so strange that you were, you were not something that just went wrong somewhere, you know, that, you know, people are just like this and that just that feeling that you do belong somewhere just means everything. That's, that's one of the big reasons we have the, the meetups, um, at TGFM slash two, because we've got, it started with, I remember now I had forgotten what our other identity meetups were it started actually at Favericon with ace lunch my friend amy started ace lunch and she wanted to just whoever wanted to talk about aceness or was ace wanted to like go out to lunch and so there was like it literally started with like two people going out to lunch and now we have like uh last year we had a catered we actually had a catered lunch at the convent at tgfm slash and i think about 50 people were in the room Whoa. Uh, yeah like it's gotten it's gotten pretty big um so that it's like 
because it was just like an unofficial meetup at first. We were just like, hey, we're going to go do this thing um, during off programming. And then uh, and then it now it's like actually on our schedule and it has inspired um, these other meetups that we've decided to do as well. I think we're going to have like a, a buy meetup next year as well as our trans and MB and ACE and Aero meetups. So. Wow. But like, um, I remember when Amy started that, like I didn't, she was the first asexual person I had met and I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. Um, didn't know that it applied to me. <laughs> didn't have a word for the experience, you know, that I had been experiencing. And so definitely, definitely finding that there's, you know, there's a word, it has a definition. There's a group of people who have these shared experiences that you can talk to about this thing. That's can be very empowering. Yes. Yes. I completely agree with you. Here's a fun question that I love to ask my guests. And I feel like it's a very telling question. Um, when was the first time you became aware as queer as a thing or anything that's basically just not straight? Um, I was probably, I was pretty young. I was, I was in elementary school, I think. Um, but it was, uh, I really didn't, you know, I pretty, pretty sheltered, like super conservative family, like, and goes to like, they attend like one of the strictest, like non-denominational churches you can go to. Good God. Do they go to Watermark? They go to, it's called the Church of Christ. I mean, that's specific. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that is unfortunate. I'll take this information uh, out, but. No, it's, it's fine. You can, you can keep it. Um, the Church of Christ is like a non-denominational church and they're very, um, they don't do music. Like they're all acapella um, and they're very, Music is too passionate. It's a if, if if their whole like, oh I guess praxis is that you know if you're having fun you're sinning. <laughs> oh no! Who yeah, can it, live it, that life? I it, just it, don't. It's really bad. Um, it's really bad. I um, am an atheist. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. I certainly, uh, I completely understand. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experience growing up in that church, but, um, it was actually after church one day, um, my brother and his friend were yelling at the friend's sister, you know, Laura, you're a lesbian, you're a lesbian. And they just kept like shouting it over and over and over again. And, um, this girl was a little bit older than me and I was friends with her and I was just like, Laura, what is, what does that mean? What, what, what's a lesbian? I have no idea. Like, first of all, why are they even shouting this at you? And How second of all, they know is my question. The, the se second of all, she was not a lesbian. They were just being dickheads. Ugh, like, unfortunate. Like, like middle school boys just being dickheads. Um, and uh, and so that was like the first time I even knew what you know anything queer was. Was this girl saying you know okay well it's when you know women like each other and I'm like okay so she, what's wrong with that and she's like oh well and then she goes to explain that it's a sin and blah 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 because of the dumb church that we go to and that's literally like the first experience I had with 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 you know learning about queer stuff was my 
my own brother like yelling this word like a slur at somebody i'd like to know i like to ask your brother how he learned that word but you know kids they hear words and they don't even know what it is they just know it's an insult i mean he was in middle school he probably knew what it meant Man, I didn't even know what lesbian meant until I was in, like, in high school. I felt dumb. I was like, oh, that's, that's what it is. Okay. And, <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't pay attention enough, which is very, very possible. I think I was checked out of most of my childhood because I was just like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to report that my brother is no longer a dickhead. <laughs> can you report that is that is that confirmed <laughs> that, that is that is confirmed my brother has grown up quite a bit he's actually my brother is like the one person in my family who is supportive of me and loves me for for me so oh okay okay it, i'll take it, i'll take it, your word for it he's not a it, dickhead <laughs> took him a while to grow out of all of that but yeah I mean, there's a whole saying that goes with that, but I will not utter it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's... I'm sorry to hear that you had a difficult time coming out. I Yeah, I didn't come out. So that was when I was young was when I found out about it. I didn't. I did not come out until I was 23. I knew for sure, like... The first time I had an inkling that I was queer, I was probably 14. And then I spent, like, the next five years in denial. A, like, hardcore denial. Same, though. And then um, and then by the time I was 19, I was like, okay, I'm queer. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell though. about it. I, like, I, I have to get through college so that my parents don't kick me out of the house, you know. And at least I was just like, you know, I just need to survive through getting through college and then I'll have a job and I can move out and it won't be a big deal when my parents reject me. Um, so when I came out, um, my for parents actually forced me out of the closet. It was not a fun experience. That is awful. And I would also ask why they did that, but I can, I have a feeling. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, my parents just, like, ignored it. Like, they were like, there's an elephant in the room, but if we don't talk about it, no That's one will parents... ever know. And I then... Guess they... I guess they just reached a tipping point. They were like that for a long time, and then they, like, forced the issue. Um, and it was, like, right after I had graduated college, and I didn't have a job yet, and I hadn't moved out yet, and I was honestly, like, scared shitless. Um... And uh, they didn't kick me out, but I still moved out like two months later. And uh, thankfully, because <laughs> it was uh, that was not a fun period. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's whatever. It is what it is. I mean, you're in a much better place now, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really I mean, glad your brother came like I still, came around. I still like talk to my parents like it's so I have such a weird relationship with my parents because I still like have dinner with them and like talk to them and we still do Christmas and everything but we don't like where our relationship is okay as long as we're not talking about how queer I am <laughs> Ugh, I feel you in so many different ways yeah yeah my my father's side like they ignored my wife's existence for like two years 
Oh, that's rough. She wasn't allowed to come do anything. And it got to the point that I refused to go to any family functions without her. And that was the only the only reason they even met her in the first place. Because one of my other relatives, my uncle, was like, you guys are being assholes. And, like, invited us to Thanksgiving. So they were, like, forced to meet her as a person. Yeah. Um, and even now it's still, like, you know, they they don't say the W word, which is absolutely crazy. <laughs> But yeah, okay. they're they're slowly, slowly, slowly getting there. And I hope one day that your parents get there too. And if they don't, I mean, I don't know exactly how you feel about that. And I'm not going to make speculations, but I, I do hope that, or I'm happy that you have a strong base now for people who care about you when you have a found family that you have and that you know that people do care about you in the world and that you don't need your parents for that. I mean, it's still pretty rough sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, yeah. I had a co- conversation with them a couple of years ago, and I was like, you know, will I ever be able to talk to you about this? And they were like, <laughs> my dad told me, like, literally, he was like, you know, any significant other that you may have in the future is not going to be part of our family. <sighs> and uh, I was like, oh, okay, wow. Um Wow, okay. And I haven't really... Honestly, I stopped talking to them for about nine months. Yeah, I can Um, totally understand. (laughs) Um, And uh, they sort of not really apologized. Like, they gave an apology, but, like, we're sorry. We're sorry we hurt your feelings. We're not sorry that we said it. We're we're sorry that you're offended. (sighs) kind of apology it was not apology and I called them out on that bullshit too um but uh I don't know I'm sorry to hear that I don't yeah I I haven't uh I don't know I haven't had to um introduce my parents to anybody so it really hasn't been an issue but it still hurts (laughs) I completely understand. There's, I get, I get it. I get it. Let's let's move on to happier topics because I sorry. feel like no, no, no. Don't ever be sorry for your own experiences. I'm more sorry that I have not. I'm more sorry for them. I'm more sorry that they will not get to see what an amazing person you are inside and out because they let these negative views impact how they see you. That they're not going to be able to open up themselves to see what a wonderful person you are and it's just because of some bullshit excuse yeah well thank you for sure let us move on to happier topics shall we or maybe not happier but at least something we can talk about more um which is how you came across your identity if you want to talk about that i get that people get really fucking tired people get really fucking tired explaining themselves to people after a while um which identity (laughs) we can go linear if you want to you could just be like well i was this for a while then i did this and i tried that said nah not for me and then here i am today um yeah it's definitely been and interesting, you know, you're constantly learning about yourself just as you live life and you gain more, you meet new people and you gain more vocabulary for yourself. Like I said, I like I 
didn't even know what asexuality was until I was like 25. <laughs> um, I didn't know that was an option. You know, I was like, wait, <laughs> you mean I don't, I don't have to be, I don't have to subscribe to this. Oh my God. That's so relieving. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't know, I guess, so it was, it's, it was kind of like finding out that I was gay was kind of like a weird experience. It was more like a process of elimination. It's like, well, I'm not really attracted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really was. It was like, I'm not, it was like, well, I'm not attracted to guys. So I guess I must be a lesbian. But then it was like, well, I don't really want to have sex with them either. But I don't know what that means. That's really interesting. I think I think my process was kind of the opposite. I was like, well, no, I don't like guys in any capacity. I mean, I dated them, but I was like the world's worst girlfriend. Like, think of yeah. a fuckboy, but I wouldn't even fuck them. I was just emotionally distant the entire time. <laughs> um, but it was like, I didn't like them in any capacity. So I was like, you know what? I must be asexual because, and then it was like, girls didn't occur to me, which is really strange. <laughs> And then girls happened, and I was like, oh, nope, that, I, I guess this is where we are. <laughs> so, but get, continue, please continue, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so then I found out, you know, about asexuality, and that's kind of been, uh, I don't know where on the spectrum I exist inside of it, but it's, you know, that's just continuous, you know, personal discovery that I'm going through. Exactly, it's your journey, you... It, like, um, it's up to you where it takes you. And then, like, as far as uh, gender identity has also been kind of... I haven't really been comfortable talking about it until just, like, super, super recently, like, within the last year or two. Really? Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and so, like... Again, with non-binary, it was like, it was always like this, you know, I never really felt wholly this or wholly this, you know, it was, it was, I've always, like, if, if somebody, like, on an, like, on a personal level, if somebody asked me, well, you know, have you ever really identified as a woman? I was like, not, not willingly, <laughs> like, it's kind of <laughs> Life, and that's been like my lived experience and it has informed who I am but I don't really think that's who I am but I don't necessarily I don't know I just I guess I exist in in the in-between um it's really funny the more I you like find labels for yourself or at least the more I find labels for myself I'm like oh there's like this relief I'm like oh there's a word for this thing oh there's this experience that I've been having and there's this whole community of people who have similar experiences and that's great and then like the longer I'm in it I'm like I really like you know I'm you know as you like add tack these like labels onto the end of yourself you're like okay well I'm a I'm an ace lesbian demi romantic like non-binary like after a while you're just like you know what I'm just I'm just queer I'm just a queer person and I don't want to have to like think about it <laughs> I guess. right like 
Like, there's so, I guess, I don't know, I guess I got, like, really obsessive of, like, trying to really pinpoint, like, what I am and where I fall into things, and then after a while, I'm just, you know what I am? I just, I'm, Hannah Gadsby said it best, I'm just tired. Right. I, I identify as tired. Right. That's what I am. I feel like that's just the progression is like people get really excited about their labels. They're all in the discovery mode. And then at some point they just become the disgruntled professor in front of the room, just going like, all right, calm down, everybody. Well, I mean, there's definitely, uh, I I think it comes in cycles. Like there's, you know, the discovery, which is exciting. And then you have a lot of like, conflicting feelings about it because you're learning this new thing and that may be scary or exciting or whatever and then um and then there's and convincing then, the rest of the world and then there's kind of re- relief that you found this as you like learn more about it and then like for me at least after a while it's like well I mean I I feel like I am all of these things but I'm not necessarily excited to be any of these things oh, so no. I'm just <laughs> tired I'm just tired oh no and there's always the issue of like convincing not I will say it like this convincing the rest of the world that you're those things and it's and it is particularly hard with people who have known you before because god forbid if things change at all in the world and it's you know it's kind of (laughs) shitty you know what's really great is that that has never uh, been an issue with my TGI fam. Oh my gosh, I know. Sorry, I did not mean to say uh, that like that, but I mean, like, just the community itself, that's what's so beautiful about it, is that you say, oh, it turns out I'm more like this, and people are like, yes, congratulations, yay. And it's yeah, like, they don't question you. They don't, yeah, it's, there's no question. They're just people, like, even as I um, was kind of exploring, like, non-binary as, like, uh, an identity before I had even decided about you know whether I wanted where whether I even wanted to change my pronouns like I didn't even know at first and um like almost immediately they were like well well what do you want us to call you like <laughs> like like and I was like ah, I don't want to deal with it right now and they're like that's cool just let us know and and then as soon as I wanted they them it was you know it was instantaneous like it hasn't it hasn't been an issue they're so so wonderful that's so beautiful. I'm so glad you found your found family. Me too. And like, and, and um, chosen names and pronouns are really, really important to us. Um, Absolutely. Uh, John is a trans masculine um, individual and, and then I'm non-binary on staff. And so staff is run not entirely by cis people. And so it's definitely something that we, um, we foster in our group and honestly it hasn't been something that has been met with any kind of resistance it's just been a very natural progression so i think it's a lot of like calls to like kind of things people know that you guys are good people you know and i hope nobody ever gives you any kind of resistance like you guys don't deserve that shit i can't think of any examples at the moment of people giving you shit (laughs) Yeah. I hope you never have any examples to give me of people giving you shit. I will throw down. <laughs> I will <laughs> I will hijack. I will be like what I will be very unprofessional in my just my podcast account and I will attack them. 
Um, I'm sure I will lose followers, but that's whatever. Good people, like... I was just going to say, it's it's so easy in my um, in my personal life, you know, to, to be all of these things. I think where I really struggle is finding the balance of how much I want to be out and what parts of me want to be out and what I feel like explaining to cis het people <laughs> it's all of that like comes into like when it comes into a professional environment I'm like what do I even really want to deal with um and thankfully where I work um recently there were, there was like this event that I had to go to and they were like it's business formal you know men wear ties and suits oh, and women wear dresses God. and I was like I, I was like timidly raising my hand I was like can I wear a tie <laughs> And and it was fine. They oh, they were like, oh God. yeah, it's got to be one or the other, but we don't care which one. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, where awesome. you work? I'm like really glad because I was afraid for a second there. <laughs> so I get to wear suits to work, which is nice. Nice. That's fantastic. I wish I could wear a suit to work, but I kind of work from home now, so I would just be wearing a, a suit to my kitchen, and that would be it. <laughs> I would much rather work from home. Right. I mean, sometimes I do go into the office, and even then it's, like, slack. So I like to pretend I'm cat Graham, I guess, sometimes, but I do not have that position or authority. I just like what she wears. <laughs> <laughs> she's got some fantastic fashion sense. Absolutely. Like, the, the power walk, no matter if she's in a skirt or shorts, or, excuse me, pants, slacks, whatever, whatever they freaking call those, is... Right magnificent i just hope one day i can aspire to have that kind of confidence even for a single meeting just one <laughs> that would be amazing i feel like that's something you need to bottle and sell to people like maybe you could add that to one of your baskets just be like a bottle <laughs> of glitter and be like this is this is cat mojo <laughs> cat mojo <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i feel like that's gonna be taken many different ways and maybe don't do that <laughs> Make me think about it a little better. I mean, maybe maybe just like put that on the back end of the table and like maybe bring it up if someone needs an idea. (laughs) But uh, ignore me, please. I'll let our our auction people know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But like, ignore me. Um, So that's that's fantastic. I'm so glad that you're you have the room. I'm so glad that other people have the room too explore now because i i know that i've talked to people who are much older than i who they didn't have that language they didn't have that opportunity to grow they didn't have a place to go really and it's like it's so crazy how in our own community sometimes like just any kind of progression or any kind of opening up it is also met with resistance i'm just so glad you guys have never hit that resistance point yeah and I hope you guys never do. It's definitely like, and and especially coming back to like the vocabulary of everything. I think that there's so um, so many of the words that we've got um, for our community. A lot of them are new, and some of them are not new, and have been right. around for eons. But a lot of them are kind of new, like, um, and uh, at least as far as like they're not hundreds of years old, at least. Um, and so it's it's really interesting to see this new generation of kids coming up and, and like Gen Z is like 50% of them don't even like identify as straight. They're like, well, I don't know if I'm straight or whatever. And like, I think that's so fantastic because there's just so much 
more conversation, I think, in not only media, but like online, and they've got access to so many things. There's, there's like, there's, there's more available to them than I feel like was available to me. And I, so, so I feel like they're even more self-aware than our generation was able to be at that age. It's so beautiful. I can't wait to see where that goes. Like at some point, like at some point, I am a little afraid, but I mean, that's the process of growing. And I guess the process of the journey is that you are going to be afraid of some things, but as long as you keep your mind open, you know, right? how can it possibly go wrong? I feel like I just opened up like a bad, like a Pandora's box just then. <laughs> like I was like, oh no, what have I done? Um, I have another question to ask you though. Let's stick to happy topics if we can. Uh, so I have a segment that's called the guest to guest question where my guest from the last podcast will ask my guest from this podcast a question. Um, our last guest was writer and creator for the, sh- for the series, uh, for the web series, uh, passage, which may or may not be out when this comes out. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, um, passage it premiered, I think, or maybe the. Oh God! Um, did I miss it? <gasps> I don't know. It, I don't know if it premiered, maybe, or if it was just like part of. I know they had a promo the, out, but I don't know. Anyway, they they um they were at uh, they were part of the web series um, promotion thing at ClicksCon, and I got to see it there, and it was oh, really I good. It. I I and completely I'm excited that. about it. Yeah, yeah, I. I'm super excited after talking to her. I can't wait till the episode comes out for people to hear it. And I can't wait to see the show. It was, it's a lot. Like, the stuff they went through is crazy. But let's not, let's not toot their horn. This is your show today. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, don't, don't ever apologize. I just want to give you the, the attention you deserve. Um, but her question for you is that if you could be a part of any, excuse me, if you can be a part of any tv family what show would it be for Ooh, interesting tv family found families are also included yeah i was gonna say like i i feel like the like the danvers on supergirl they've got their found family they have the game nights with you know their best friends and they invite them over for thanksgiving like that's really the vibe that i vibe with i, I think mean, that's I'm... the so jealous of those people who can make that work because I always had like ditcher friends in college like they all like had other places to be in if booze weren't involved that lessens the chance they would be there right but I'm so jealous um, of that I was like what well, like the first thing that came to mind I was like well like the what family shows did I watch when I was growing up? And I was like, well, Gilmore Girls was my favorite TV show, but I don't really know that I want to be part of their family. Oh, my God. So much drama. <laughs> I love them dearly, but I don't think I want to be part of their family. That was my favorite show growing up. Gilmore Girls? Yeah. I, Gilmore. Don't, I don't blame you. I think my sister watched, like, that entire show twice, and it was hard for me to tell that it was happening twice because I was like, wow, she looks a little younger now than she did the couple episodes before. <laughs> and she's like, that's because it's season one. And I'm like, why did you start over? It's <laughs> like, cause it was over. And I'm like, what? It felt like it would go on forever. Like, like I felt like there was no end of sight to the show. And then it did end and I was very surprised. 
Well, they didn't have to be because it was because each episode was very day in the life. Like it literally could have gone on forever if um I don't know, if it weren't for TV producers, I guess, cutting it, putting an end to television shows. That's true. That's true. I don't really know how that industry works. I don't know who makes those decisions. I probably <laughs> named the wrong uh, the wrong thing. Who knows? We just know it's some white guy with too much money. Probably. I Very mean, probably. I mean, I can't imagine it being somebody else, but I will like to be surprised. So. <laughs> but, um, Yeah. What question will you have for our next guest? Uh, my question is, what was your first fandom? Ooh, what was your first fandom? Sailor Moon. That is <laughs> the best. I completely feel you because I was right there with you. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, definitely Sailor Moon. Um that's when I started reading fan fiction and got into all of that. Man, I am so jealous of people who are like, oh, I was reading fan fiction back in middle school. I didn't know fan fiction existed until high school. Sailor Moon had kind of stopped playing on TV by then, which was very sad for me. Uh, come to find out, the beautiful thing about Sailor Moon is when you realize that America censored so much crap. And mm-hmm. then... And then that the show actually continued and they just literally didn't bring it to America because it just got a little too weird for them. <laughs> well, um, they they, just... they had the first four seasons. They just didn't get the fifth season. They, you know, I mean, by the time... How they, they got... going to explain that, I guess? How were they going to even by try? The time, by the time we got to the genderqueer Sailor Scouts, they didn't want to have that on their television, I guess. It was a little too progressive for them. I mean, I remember the day when I found out that Zoazite was actually a man and that they just changed her voice and just said it was a her. Like, I don't even yeah. know. I don't. They just <sighs> gave him a different voice, voice actress in the English dub. And then, oh, the whole cousins thing. Oh, with my. That, no one, no one was falling for that. <laughs> let me, let me tell you, no one was falling for that. So awkward. It made it so awkward because, like, literally everyone knew that they were lesbians, and then they were like, "My cousin," which just made it really incestuous and gross. Yeah, because it's like it's obvious, and you can see it. Like, even if the even though they took out like a handful of like them centric episodes, which made me really sad. I can't believe I missed that. Well, I believe you can watch them all on Crunchyroll now, or maybe Hulu. Some, some place I think like that. I think you can find yeah, someone's they, they, channel um, that's dedicated to that on YouTube, for sure. Yeah, yeah. My um, wife and mother-in-law are back, and I don't know if you heard them just walking by, but I don't I don't think they're going to be quiet for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I Let's start with having where people can find you. Like, any and all links that you have, feel free to send them to me, but please... Let people know uh, well, they can bother you. Uh, well, please, please, please follow the TGI Fem Slash uh, Twitter. Um, it is TGI Fem Slash. And then uh, also on Tumblr. Um, that's where uh, we do a lot of our announcements is mostly on Twitter. Um, so to go follow them. And then I am Exacto Dreams on everything on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, my Twitter is private but it's literally only that way to keep like coworkers 
from reading my stuff, so don't be intimidated to like follow me. I feel send you. in a request. Since if anyone wants to follow me, just send in a request and I'll I'll add you. It's just I will I don't want... let the general populace know that your cats are adorable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, most mostly my Twitter updates is just, you know, complaining about my day and talking about my cats. I mean, isn't that what everyone's Twitter is about? I mean Yeah. Yeah. In some, like, the essence of all Twitter accounts is bitching about your day and posting cat pictures. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I've been doing this wrong this whole time. <laughs> no, that's pretty much it. Right. Absolutely. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. It was so great to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And if anyone from your organization wants to come on or somebody you know wants to come on or even if you want to come back and be like, hey, I have some fun updates about, you know, our new convention or stuff that you're doing. Feel free to come back. Just bring a handful important, of more stories. Important of note, if anyone is interested in coming to TGIFM slash registration opens September 9th. <gasps> I, hold on, I'm doing math. I'm trying to figure out when this episode's coming out. This episode might come out after that. But it's good for people to know that registration will be open. Well, registration opened September 9th. <laughs> Hot dog. You people better register, man, or else they're going to take your table. Um, yeah. Well, they, yeah, it's a limited number of, of seats, so definitely get, get in while it's hot. Is it still in Atlanta, Georgia? No, it's actually in uh, Long Beach, California this year. Oh, everything is in California. Ugh. It's all right. It's all right. We have scholarships. <laughs> mm. Reminder, Reminder that we have scholarships. As I said before, like from the bottom of my heart, thank you for talking to us today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs>